Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. And there, if you mouse of the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read, A-C-I-M-O-E. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily actual email that includes both the text reading for the day as well as the daily lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today, we're continuing our reading of Chapter 27, The Body and the Dream, with Section 8, The Illusion of Suffering. We're also mindful of our lesson today, just hand in glove, um, Lesson 292, A Happy Outcome to all things is sure. Mm. And by way of opening this morning, I was led to this poem by, um, I think it's Fred Lamont. Yeah, Fred Lamont. You may have heard of him. Um, and I, I think there's a lot in this poem that isn't immediately clear, but is worth a great deal of thought. And it goes like this. Pilgrim, traveler, isn't it time to depart from the kingdom of fear? Time to begin our journey across the ocean of surrender? Yes, this body is a frail boat, but it holds a vast sail, unfurled before the breath of the beloved. And whether the night is covered with clouds or clustered with stars, we move through waves of sleep and waking under the boundless dome of a mother's silence. We journey in a boat with a vast sail blown before the breath of the beloved. Therefore, a happy outcome to all things is sure. Amen. Oh, I like that. That was good. Thank you, Lori. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. It's, uh, it's, it's a nice book to rest in. I, that's, I think, why I like it. But I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, here's a reading list today, my friends. We have Lemoyne and Jennifer and Fran and Charles and Karen, and Jessica, and we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison, and Lana, and Judy, and I wonder if anyone else has joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list. I miss anybody? No? Okay. Well... Away we go then. In chapter 27, The Body and the Dream of Section 8, The Illusion of Suffering. Starting today with paragraph 62. Suffering is an emphasis upon all that the world has done to injure you. 
here's the world's demented version of salvation clearly shown like to a dream of punishment in which the dreamer is unconscious of what brought on the attack against himself he sees himself attacked unjustly and by something not himself he is the victim of this quote-unquote something else a thing outside himself for which he has no reason to be held responsible he must be innocent because he knows not what he does but what is done to him yet is his own attack upon himself apparent still for it is he who bears the suffering and he cannot escape because its source is seen outside himself chapter 27 the body in the dream section 8 the illusion of suffering suffering is an emphasis on all the all that the world has done to injure you I'll read that again suffering is an emphasis upon all that the world has done to injure you here is the world's demented version of salvation clearly shown like to a dream of punishment in which the dreamer is unconscious of what brought on the attack against himself he sees himself attacked unjustly and by something not himself he is the victim of this quote something else unquote a thing outside himself for which he has no reason to be held responsible he must be innocent because he knows not what he does but what is done to him yet is his own attack upon himself apparent still for it is he who bears the suffering and he cannot escape because its source is seen outside himself now you are being shown you can escape all that is needed is you look upon the problem as it is and not the way that you have set it up <clears throat> how could there be another way to solve a problem which is very simple but has been obscured by heavy clouds of complication which were made to keep the problem unresolved without the clouds the problem will emerge in all its primitive simplicity the choice will not be difficult because the problem is absurd when clearly seen no one has difficulty making up his mind to let a simple problem be resolved if it is seen as hurting him and also very easily removed thank you Lemoyne and uh, Jennifer now you are being shown you can escape all that is needed is you look upon the problem as it is and not the way that you have set it up how could there be another way to solve a problem which is very simple but has been obscured by heavy clouds of complication which were made to keep the problem unresolved without the clouds the problem will emerge in all its 
primitive simplicity. The choice will not be difficult because the problem is absurd when clearly seen. No one has difficulty making up his mind to let a simple problem be resolved if it is seen as hurting him and also very easily removed. 64. The, the quote-unquote reasoning by which the world is made, on which it rests, by which it is maintained, is simply this. Quote, okay, yeah, all right, quote-unquote, you are the cause of what you do. Your presence justifies my wrath and you exist and seek a think apart from me while you attack I must be innocent and what I suffer from is your attack unquote no one who looks upon this quote-unquote reasoning exactly as it could fail to see it does not follow and it makes no sense. Yet it seems sensible because it looks as if the world were hurting you. And so it seems as if there is no need to go beyond the obvious in terms of cause, task. Thank you, Jennifer. Alan Fran. 64. The quote-unquote reasoning by which the world is made, on which it rests, by which it is maintained, is simply this, quote, you are the cause of what I do. Your presence justifies my wrath, and you exist and think apart from me. While you attack, I must be innocent, and what I suffer from is your attack, unquote. No one who looks upon this quote-unquote reasoning exactly as it is could fail to see it does not follow, and it makes no sense. Yet it seems sensible because it looks as if the world were hurting you, and so it seems as if there is no need to go beyond the obvious in terms of cause. 65. There is indeed a need. The world's escape from condemnation is the need which those within the world are joined in sparing. Yet they do not recognize their common need. For each one thinks that if he does his part, the condemnation of the world will rest on him. And it is this that he perceives to be his part in its deliverance. Vengeance must have a focus. Otherwise is the avenger's knife in his own hand and pointed to himself. And he must see it in another's hand if he would be a victim of attack he did not choose. And thus he suffers from the wounds a knife he does not hold has made upon himself. This is the purpose of the world he sees. And looked at thus, the world provides the means by which this purpose seems to be fulfilled. Thank you, Fran. Um, and Charles. 65. 
There is a need, there is indeed a need. The world's escape from condemnation is a need which those within the world are joined in sharing. Yet they do not recognize their common need. For each one thinks that if he does his part, the condemnation of the world will rest on him. And it is this that he perceives to be his part in its deliverance. Vengeance must have a focus. Otherwise is the avenger's knife in his own hand and pointed to himself. And he must see it in another's hand if he would be a victim of attack he did not choose. And thus he suffers from the wounds of a knife he does not hold as made upon himself. This is the purpose of the world he sees. And looked at thus, the world provides the means by which this purpose seems to be fulfilled. 66. The means attest the purpose, but are not themselves a cause. Nor will the cause be changed by seeing it apart from its effects. The cause produces the effects which then bear witness to the cause and not themselves. Look then beyond effects. It is not here that cause of suffering and sin must lie and dwell not on the suffering and sin for they are but reflections of their cause. Thank you, Charles and Karen. 66. The means attest the purpose, but are not themselves a cause, nor will the cause be changed by seeing it apart from its effects. The cause produces the effects, which then bear witness to the cause and not themselves. Look then beyond effects. It is not here the cause of suffering and sin must lie, and dwell not on the suffering and sin, for they are but reflections of their cause. 67. The part you play in salvaging the world from condemnation is your own escape. Forget not that the witness to the world of evil cannot speak except for what has seen a need for evil in the world. And this is where your guilt was first beheld. In separation from your brother was the first attack upon yourself begun. And it is this the world bears witness to. Seek not another cause, nor look among the mighty legions of its witnesses for its undoing. They support its claim on your allegiance. What conceals the truth is not where you should look to find the truth. Repeat that. What conceals the truth is not where you should look to find the truth. The witnesses to sin all stand within one little space, and it is here you find the cause of your perspective on the world. 
Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. 67. The part you play in salvaging the world from condemnation is your own escape. Forget not that the witness to the world of evil cannot speak except for what has seen a need for evil in the world. And this is where your guilt was first beheld. In separation from your brother was the first attack upon yourself begun. And it is this the world bears witness to. Seek not another cause, nor look among the mighty legions of its witnesses for its undoing. They support its claim on your allegiance. What conceals the truth is not where you should look to find the truth. The witnesses to sin all stand within one little space, and it is here you find the cause of your perspective on the world. 68. Once you were unaware of what the cause of everything in the world appeared to thrust upon you, uninvited and unasked, must really be. Of one thing you were sure, of all the many causes you perceived as bringing pain and suffering to you, your guilt was not among them. Nor did you in any way request them for yourself. This is how all illusions come about. The one who makes them does not see himself as making them, and their reality does not depend on him. Whatever cause they have is something quite apart from him, and what he sees is separate from his mind. He cannot doubt his dream's reality because he does not see the part he plays in making them and making them seem real. Thank you, Jessica. And let's see, do we have a new reader for 68 and 69? This is Sandra, I can read. Thanks, Sandra. I can read after Sandra, Lori, thank you. All righty, thanks. Once you were unaware of what the cause of everything the world appeared to thrust upon you, uninvited and unasked, must really be? I'm sorry, i got to read that again. Once you were unaware of what the cause of everything the world appeared to thrust upon you, uninvited and unasked, must really be. Of one thing you were sure, of all the many causes you perceived as bringing pain and suffering to you, your guilt was not among them nor did you in any way request them for yourself. This is how all illusions come about. The one who makes them does not see himself as making them, and and their reality does not depend on him. Whatever cause they have is something quite apart from him, and what he sees is separate from his mind. He cannot doubt his dreams, Reality, 
his dreams reality because he does not see the part he plays in making them and making them seem real. 69. No one can waken from a dream the world is dreaming for him. He becomes a part of someone else's dream. He cannot choose to waken from the dream he did not make. Helpless, he stands a victim to a dream conceived and cherished by a separate mind, careless indeed of him. This mind must be as thoughtless of his peace and happiness as is the weather or the time of day. It loves him not but casts him as it wills in any role that satisfies its dream. So little is his worth that he is but a dancing shadow, leaping up and down according to a senseless plot conceived within the idle dreaming of the world. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, Judy. I hope I hope nobody minds, but I'm going to read it in the first person. No one can wake waken from the excuse me. No one can waken from a dream the world is dreaming for him. He becomes a part of someone else's dream. He cannot choose to waken from a dream. I cannot choose to waken from a dream I did not make. Helpless I stand a victim to a dream conceived and cherished by a separate mind. Careless indeed of me, this mind must be, as thoughtless of my peace and happiness, as is the weather or the time of day. It loves me not, but casts me as it will in any role that satisfies its dream. So little is my worth that I am but a dancing shadow, leaping up and down, according to a senseless plot conceived within the idle dreaming of the world. This is the only picture I can see, the one alternative that I can choose. The other possibility of cause, if I be not the dreamer of my dream, and this is what I choose, if I deny the cause of suffering is in my mind, and be glad it is, for thus, Am I the one decider of my destiny in time? The choice is mine to make between a sleeping death and dreams of evil or the happy awakening and joy of life. What could I choose between but life or death, waking or sleeping, peace or war, my dreams or my reality? If the choice is really given me, then I must see the causes of the things I choose between exactly as they are and where they are. What choices can be made between two states, but one of which is clearly recognized? Who could be free to choose between effects when only one is seen? It's up to me. I love this section. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Judy. Let's see now. Is there another new reader for 70 and 71? Uh, 
I could do that. Thanks, Marie. Sure. This is the only picture you can see. The one alternative that you can choose. The other possibility of cause if you be not the dreamer of your dreams. And this is what you choose. If you deny the cause of suffering is in your mind. Be glad indeed it is. For thus are you the one decider of your destiny in time. The choice is yours to make between a sleeping death and dreams of evil or a happy awakening and joy of life. What could you choose between but life or death, waking or sleeping, peace or war, your dreams or your reality? And if the choice is really given you, then you must see the causes of the things you choose between exactly as they are and where they are. What choices can be made between two states, but one of which is clearly recognized? Who could be free to choose between effects when only one is seen as up to him? An honest choice could never be perceived as one in which the choice is split between a tiny you and an enormous world with different dreams about the truth in you. The gap between reality and dreams lies not between the dreaming of the world and what you dream in secret. They are one. The dreaming of the world is but a part of your own dream you gave away and saw as if it were its start and ending both. Yet yet was it started by your secret dream, which you do not perceive, although it caused the part you see and do not doubt is real. How could you doubt it while you lie asleep and dream in secret that its cause is real? Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there another new reader for 71 and 72? I can read, sorry, Lana. Oh, thanks, Lana. Okay, 72. A brother separated from yourself, an ancient enemy, a murderer who stalks you in the night and plots your death. Lana? Lana, yes? excuse me. Would you read 71 again, please? I think oh, I'm sorry. No one wants. Oh, no, no oh. problem. Thank you. Okay, 71. An honest choice could never be perceived as one in which the choice is split between a tiny you and an enormous world with different dreams about the truth in you. The gap between reality and dreams lies not between the dreaming of the world and what you dream in secret. They are one. The dreaming of the world is but a part of your own dream you gave away and saw as if it were its start and ending both. Yet was it started by your secret dream, which you do not perceive, although it caused the part you see and do not doubt is real. 
How could you doubt it while you lie asleep and dream in secret that its cause is real? 72. A brother separated from yourself, an ancient enemy, a murderer who stalks you in the night and plots your death, yet plans that it be lingering and slow of this you dream. Yet underneath this dream is yet another in which you become the murderer, the secret enemy, the scavenger, and the destroyer of the brother and the world alike. Here is the cause of suffering, the, the space between your dreams and your reality. The little gap you do not even see, the birthplace of illusions and of fear, the time of terror and of ancient hate, the instant of disaster, all are here. Here is the cause of unreality, and it is here that it will be undone. Oh, boy, howdy. Thank you, Lana. And is there another new reader for 72 and 73? New reader for 72 and 73? Well, the privilege is yours, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lori. A brother separated from yourself, an ancient enemy, a murderer who stalks you in the night and plots your death, yet plans that it be lingering and slow. Of this you dream. Yet underneath this dream is yet another in which you become the murderer, the secret enemy, the scavenger, and destroyer of the brother and the world alike. Here is the cause of suffering, the space between your dream and your reality. The little gap you do not even see, the birthplace of illusions and of fear, the time of terror and of ancient hate, the instant of disaster, all are here. Here is the cause of unreality. And it is here that it will be undone. You are the dreamer of the world of dreams. No other cause it has, nor ever will. Nothing more fearful than an idle dream has terrified God's son and made him think that he has lost his innocence, denied his father, and made war upon himself. So fearful is the dream, so seeming real, he could not wake into reality without the sweat of terror and the scream of mortal fear, unless a gentler dream preceded his awaking and allowed his calmer mind to welcome, not to fear, the voice that calls with love to waken him. A gentler dream in which his suffering was healed and where his brother was his friend. God willed he waken gently 
and with joy and gave him means to waken without fear. Accept the dream he gave instead of yours. Accept the dream he gave instead of yours. It is not difficult to shift the dream once the dreamer has been recognized. Thank you, Lemoyne um, and Jennifer. All right. You are the dreamer of the world of dreams. No other cause it has, nor ever will. Nothing more fearful than an idle dream has terrified God's son <clears throat> and made him think um, he has lost his innocence, denied his father, and made war upon himself. So fearful is the dream, so seeming real. He could not waken to reality without the sweat of terror and a scream of mortal fear, unless a gentle dream, a gentler dream, preceded his awakening and allowed his calmer mind to welcome, not to fear, the capital B voice that calls with love to waken him. A gentler dream in which his suffering was healed and where his brother was his friend. God willed he wakened gently and with joy and gave him means to waken without fear. Accept the dream he gave instead of yours. It is, it is not difficult to shift a dream when once the dreamer has been recognized. 74. Rest in the Holy Spirit and allowed his gentle dreams to take the place of those you dreamed in terror and in fear of death. He brings forgiving dreams in which the choice is not who is the murderer, <laughs> who shall be the victim. Um, in the dreams he brings, there is no murder and there is no death. The dream of guilt is fading from your sight, although your eyes are closed. Oh, a smile has come to lighten up your sleeping face. The sleep is peaceful now, for these are happy dreams, Pat. Thank you, Jennifer and Fran. 74. Rest in the Holy Spirit and allow his gentle dreams to take the place of those you dreamed in terror and in fear of death. He brings forgiving dreams in which the choice is not who is the murderer and who shall be the victim. In the dreams he brings, there is no murderer and there is no death. The dream of guilt is fading from your sight although your eyes are closed. A smile has come to lighten up your sleepy, sleeping face. The sleep is peaceful now, for these are happy dreams. 75. Dream softly of your sinless brother. He unites with you in holy innocence. 
and from this dream, the Lord of heaven will himself awaken his beloved son. Dream of your brother's kindnesses instead of dwelling in your dreams on his mistakes. Select his thoughtfulness to dream about instead of counting of the hurts he gave. Forgive him his illusions and give thanks to him for all the helpfulness he gave. And do not brush aside his many gifts because he is not perfect in your dreams. Thank you, Fran. Let's see, and Charles. Okay, there I go. Paragraph 75. Dream softly of your sinless brother who unites with you in holy innocence. And from this dream, the Lord of heaven will himself awaken his beloved son. Dream of your brother's kindness instead of dwelling in your dreams on his mistakes. Select his thoughtfulness to dream about instead of counting up the hurts he gave. Forgive him his illusions and give thanks to him for all the helpfulness he gave. And do not brush aside his many gifts because he is not perfect in your dreams. 76. He represents his father, whom you see as offering both life and death to you. Brother, he gives but life. Yet what you see as gifts your brother offers represents gifts you dream your father gives to you. Let all your brother's gifts be seen in the light of charity and kindness offered you. And let no pain disturb your dream of deep appreciation for his gifts to you. Amen. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Thank you, Charles uh, and Karen. He represents his father, whom you see as offering both life and death to you. Brother, he gives but life. Yet what you see as gifts your brother offers represents the gifts you dream your father gives to you. Let all your brother's gifts be seen in light of charity and kindness offered you. And let no pain disturb your dream of deep appreciation for his gift to you. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. The perfect, perfect backdrop for everything we're told about the real world. Um, and happy outcome. So it just couldn't be more perfect today. Uh, friend, if you'd lead us, please, in what is the real world and the surety of a happy outcome, please. And thank you very much. Oh, thank you. 
That was a great reading. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, we are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is the real world? And today's lesson is lesson 292. A happy outcome to all things is sure. So I shall read some from what is the real world, then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. Okay. What is the real world? The real world is a symbol, like the rest of what perception offers. Yet it stands for what is opposite to what you made. Your world is seen through eyes of fear and brings the witnesses of terror to your mind. The real world cannot be perceived except through eyes forgiveness blesses. So they see a world where terror is impossible and witnesses to fear cannot be found. The real world holds a counterpart for each unhappy thought reflected in your world. The real world shows a world seen differently, through quiet eyes and with a mind at peace. Nothing but rest is there. The real world is the symbol that the dream of sin and guilt is over and God's Son no longer sleeps. The real world signifies the end of time, for its perception makes time purposeless. The Holy Spirit has no need of time when it has served its purpose. Now he waits but that one instant more for God to take his final step and time has disappeared. That instant is our goal, for it contains the memory of God. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 292. A happy outcome to all things is sure. God's promises make no exceptions. And he guarantees that only joy can be the final outcome found for everything. Yet it is up to us when this is reached, how long we let an alien will appear to be opposing his. And while we think this will is real, we will not find the end he has appointed as the outcome of all problems we perceive, all trials we see, and every situation that we meet. Yet is the ending certain? For God's will is done in earth and heaven. We will seek and we will find according to his will, which guarantees that our will is done. We thank you, Father, for your guarantee of only happy outcomes in the end. Help us not interfere and so delay the happy endings you have promised us for every problem that we perceive, for every trial we think we still must meet. Lesson 292, a happy outcome to all things is sure. Five minutes.
Lesson 292, a happy outcome to all things is sure. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Fran. And I know you have to depart um, before we um, have a chance to go much further. So if you have something you want to offer about this lesson uh, before you leave, we'd love to hear it. Oh, I just love it. I love that first line when it says, God's promises make no exceptions. And he guarantees that only joy can be the final outcome found for everything. Wow. What a treat. Thank you, God. Thanks, Lori. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Oh, thank I you. I believe I have company. Love you, friend. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you, man. That was so lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and your, wow. your convictions and your voice, and I love it. So thank you. Oh. oh, thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beautiful day, dear. Okay, I just wanted to say that, um, let's see, gee whiz, we have 14 people with us today. Uh, so let's be generous with the talking stick, okay? And the floor is open. Hi, this is Ida. Um, like I said on the other call, I want to feel this lesson, believe this lesson today. I don't want to be led around by my false guilt. I want to forgive everybody, including myself, and know that none of us did anything wrong, really wrong or not on purpose or anything like that. It's just been my perception of myself and of others that made me think that we did things that were wrong and we should feel guilty because we shouldn't feel guilty. And a happy outcome to all things is sure. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Thank you. That's a that's a perfect thing to say, Ida. I don't want to be led around by my false guilt. <laughs> that was really excellent. Thank you. Morning, this is Charles. And what really struck my heart this morning was seeing my brothers and sisters as gifts my father has given me to share in that love that he shares with us as one. The deep appreciation that they offer me, father offers me as well. I truly always wondered why I need to apologize or feel I need to be forgiven. And uh, I realized it because I... I was holding back. I was unsure, feeling uneasy about myself. 
and uneasy of how my words aligned with how I felt. Sometimes I would speak words but not aligned with how I feel. So I didn't have that real trust within me to share. And now with these lessons and with these meditations, I truly see the divine presence of the Holy Spirit and his kindness and whispers and love to help me to open up and be more honest in my sharing and more trustworthy and to be more accepting and loving of those who the Father brings into my company. So with that, I'm complete. Thank you. Amen. Oh, that was beautiful, Charles. Thank you so much. Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Yes, that was beautiful. Good morning, Mrs. That was really sweet, Charles. Um, Anyway, this is Sandra, and and, um, I'm so enjoying the shares because what I was getting out of this lesson, a happy outcome to all things is sure. And the text is that I am responsible for the world I see. Um, I, I experienced my life was, <laughs> my life experience has been for most of it being a victim, feeling like a victim, thinking I was a victim letting the world define who I am, which put me right back into victimhood. <laughs> and, it, 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 you know, in doing this course, it, one of the lessons is I am responsible for the world I see and the world that I'm experiencing. So that was the key word, was responsible. And I was in a meeting yesterday, and um, one of the gals thought that that, word was harsh, you know, responsibility. So she changed it to respondability. And in the past, I I didn't have any tools on how to respond to the world because I was allowing the world to define who I was rather than my creator to define who I was. And my creator says, I'm not a body. I am free. I am still, as God created me, I am spirit. There is no death. And and that is probably the biggest fear I had was that somehow, you know, that I would die a, a hard, just like it's saying in the text, that somehow my death would be slow and painful. And I, that's because of my thinking about death. Instead of knowing that it's, you know, all I'm doing is letting go of the body and everything that's happened to me, I have planned and co-created with God so that, I, so that my trip to this planet could be a success. And when, I'm, when I align with, with God's plan for me, with God's definition of me, I can embrace whatever is happening, whatever the circumstance is, and know that it was gently planned by me and by God 
for so that I could learn whatever I needed to learn here, that I'm not a victim, that I can take responsibility for the world I see and for where I'm at. <laughs> and that is, there's so much freedom in that. And I know that when I was in school as a child, I was taught that the other side of freedom is responsibility. So the more responsibility I take for my reality, the freer I am. And I'm seeing that on this call today and experiencing it. So thank you all. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was great. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. That was great. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Uh, good morning. It's Lana. Um, you know, I I had to, I too had trouble with that word responsibility. It it for me it had um, connotations of guilt around it. You know, I'm responsible, um, and I love the idea of changing it to response because in response. You know, I have a choice um, on how I respond. So, um, you know, that's really good. Um, I chose a word, another word, um, ownership. You know, I, I, think I have to take ownership of everything I see, everything I perceive, everything I experience. Um, for me, that was a powerful place to own something. Um, gave me the power to heal it, to you know, to let it go, um, to see it differently. Um, I can't do anything if I don't own it myself, you know, and and just be honest. It's really about being honest. Um, Last night on our call for a course of love, uh, we were we were sharing that and and boy, you know, when we're honest, um, we can be authentic and not be afraid to be authentic to what we're perceiving. And boy, all of our shares last night were really authentic in that we were sharing things that um, uh, it's such a lovely group because we're or compadres, you know, there's a lot of trust in our group and in that group, this group too, you know, that's, that's you guys and and uh, my Wednesday night group are, are just my treasures. And, um, and, and we saw that um, even in the most, even in the things that the world would judge as sinful, <laughs> you know, giving that meaning to it, uh, we were able to see our innocence. And it was so beautiful, you know, it was so beautiful just to accept um, everything that we did, we thought, <laughs> we experienced, and and be free of that guilt, to be free of, of it all, and just to love, you know, when it's so true that anything touched by love, anything I bring to love's awareness transforms into love. And it's so miraculous 
because that shift in perception gives me a whole different world, a whole different world where I can look at my past without remorse, without guilt, without even the idea of, oh, I wish I had done it differently. It was just an acceptance of who I was and being authentic to that and where there seemed to be no love to bring it to love and watch it be transformed into innocence. And, um, and what a freeing experience that is to see our innocence you know, I was raised Catholic, and, and and God love them. If you didn't learn anything in Catholic education, you sure learned that you were unworthy, unworthy of, of anything this world had to offer. And graduating, that's what we took out into the world and in our lives. That's how we began our early adulthood, by, you know, by thinking I'm unworthy. So does take focus. I love when they talk about, when he talked about focus, because I do have the choice always about where where I want to point my awareness. You know, my awareness, you know, that, that experience of existence, um, that I can point that to love or I can point that to fear. Even when I'm acting goofy and crazy um, and insane, I still have that ability to notice that I'm insane and point my mind toward God. And that's all I have to do because once I do that, that is the, that is the choice for love. That is the choice for truth. And Holy Spirit just takes it from there. He takes my choice, you know, notices I point my mind to truth and he just, takes it takes picks up the ball and carries it for me. I don't have to do anything other than being willing to choose love. So, um it seems that um I you know, the idea I need to do nothing you once Jesus in my meditative writing uh said, you know, how long does it take to learn how to do nothing? <laughs> You know, it for me it seems to take a long while in time, but um, I'm learning. I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Lana. Always enjoy your. Thank you, Thank you Lana. Hi. I am going to be quiet for a little while. Is anybody else? Somebody needs to pass. And if you don't, I'll be quiet. Thank you. Well, this is Lori. Good morning, everyone. And I'll tell you truthfully, there's one thing I just love about the Course in Miracles is that every year I read it, 
I see more <laughs> coming around to this section again and the happy dream again and this lesson again. Um, yeah, it just, um, I, I'm in wonderment. I'm just in wonderment. I'm prepared to be amazed. And that feeling of, um, show me what else I've missed along the way, uh, I think is a real gift of love from Holy Spirit to my mind. Uh, in years gone by, um, my favorite paragraph in this reading was uh, 75, and it's still it's still one of my favorites uh, because it emphasizes so clearly that the choice of what I see, what truth I want to witness to, is really, really mine. And uh, when I first came to this group, you know, I, I thought, I thought, um, well, here's what I thought. I thought, uh, this holy instant that revealed truth to me so many years ago uh, was like a peek behind the curtain, you know, like in Wizard of Oz. She's there, and she's got Glenda the Good Witch in her ear, and she's got the shoes, and there's this little cubicle off the side where this little crazy man is behind the curtain. <laughs> she hears the voice say, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It was like that, you know. I became aware of what's the man behind the curtain and and what's the nature of the dream that had me so upside down and backwards. But here, um, here I I came to this group and and Holy Spirit said to me, soften. And I I didn't realize I didn't realize I'd grown um, that I'd grown less than prepared to be amazed. I'm going to say it like that less than prepared to be amazed. Um, that glimpse behind the curtain made me think I knew. I knew the truth. But here's the thing about truth. Um, it's always... I'm thinking of something I read that says it's always trembling in readiness to be revealed to me. Trembling in readiness. Shimmering just beyond my mind, ready to be revealed to me. And that, that is um, the gift right there of reading this material and doing these lessons year by year by year because there's always more shimmering in readiness is what I'm trying to say. And when I get soft, when my mind is loosened and spacious from its fixed moorings, um, I'm free. I'm free to do, just like he says in paragraph 75, dream softly of my sinless, my innocent brother. Dream softly of this brother who is already united with me in holy innocence. And from this dream, the Lord of heaven will himself awaken his beloved son. And yet there's more. And yet there's still more. Dream of his kindnesses instead of mistakes. Select his thoughtfulness to dream about 
instead of counting hurts. Forgive him his illusions and give thanks to him. Do you know there's something beautiful that happens? There's just something beautiful that happens when I meet anyone with graciousness. And uh, it's indescribable, um, that sense of shared home. Uh, and that's the, that's the thing, you know, all those years ago, I heard myself say, I'm home, but it's not home unless it's shared with everything and everyone I include in it. And that's life. That's life when I'm soft and prepared to be amazed, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and what a rich, what a richness, what an abundance, what a, what a fullness. Um, and, and that fullness is like even more. So um, I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from today. I'm coming from, um, uh, we have a little friend, a little friend who has Down syndrome and who was hired by the hospital we work at to, to work in the kitchen. And she has turned out to be such a gift to us. You know, at first it wasn't an annoyance. And, and she would call and call and call and message, message, message. And, and it seemed to be an annoyance. And, and anyway, um, we've gotten to where we share things with her. So uh, she's so precious. Every night at 7 she calls so she can FaceTime with us while we give cheese sticks to the dog, you know. A little tiny thing like that, and uh, the dogs learn something new, and Christine rejoices. <laughs> anyway, her dad died, um, and, and um, last night she called, and and we just sat and shared her tears with, her. and um, and then she said, "Okay, I'm done now. I'm ready for Jake and Charlie to dance for sticks." You know, and what a gift, what a gift, what a gift. Shimmering in readiness, all that can be seen and loved and followed home, you know. Um, that's the gift of, of this Course in Miracles. I read it, I think, wow, what, what, uh, what potential, what um, possibilities exist that I haven't yet seen. And... Um, and, and it turns out, um, <laughs> it turns out that everything he says is so literally true that if I'm looking for the opportunities to be amazed, life will give them to me. And in the giving of them to me, I'll come again, I'll read his words, and I'll say, man, he really meant what he said. That's how it is. And, uh, and that's how this is for me today. I'm complete. Thank you, Thank Lori. you for that. that was so Thanks, beautiful. Lori. Thank you. Wow.
Well, and so, <laughs> happily, we still have 12 with us, and we still have um, lots of time. So, um, so please feel free. Floor's still open. Okay. It's Harrison. Um, it was a wonderful lesson. A happy outcome to all things sure. And it reminded me of the light. And I think it's the introduction to the course that says that the course can be summed up in this one sentence. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And that being the case and realizing that the only thing that's real is what God created. It has nothing to do with my creation or what I thought I created as a body. It goes back to the fundamental question of who am I? If I fully and totally accept that I am as God created me and nothing else. And I realize that I am God's perfect creation. I am real. And I can't be threatened. And in today's reading, in 73, he says, You are the dreamer of the world that dreams. No other cause it has, nor Nothing more fearful than idle dream has terrified God's son. And I like what you did, Judy, in personalizing this. I am the dreamer of the world of dreams. 
nothing more fearful than an idle dream has terrified God's son. He's talking about the enemy and made us think that we have lost our innocence, denied our father, and made war by ourselves. So fearful is the dream, so seemingly real. We could not wake into reality without the sweat of terror and the scream of mortal fear. Unless a gentler dream preceded our awakening and allowed our common mind to welcome, not to fear. The capital B voice that calls with love to awaken us. God is so merciful that when he saw that we had strayed and accepted the unreality of the dream, he gently wakened us So, I'm thankful, and I accept the happy outcome. I'm complete. Oh, that was just great and so complete, Harrison. Thank you. Thanks, Harrison. Thank you, you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Good morning, it's Karen. Thank you, Harrison. And just always love your share so much. Um, yesterday I was having technology problems, so I couldn't talk with my headset. Um, so I was just, the most meaningful, profound thing were the last two paragraphs in the text reading today. Your brother's holiness. And I don't have my book in front of me, and if I did, I would just love to reread that, but to pause and just appreciate the the highest truth that one can appreciate about a brother and to break the dream spell <laughs> today in the reading it said in the in the lesson it said um the alien voice and the alien voice is so strong 
it's so strong in me. It's just, it just comes up and it, and it, what's the word, um, possesses me, so to speak. I think that would be the way to say it. The alien voice comes up and possesses me. Um, I'm going to give a tiny little example of what's going on this morning. My eldest daughter, she has like a black cloud, and, and I can't even tell you. It's crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. She was driving down the road on Monday, and there was a pickup truck in front of her, and she was going about 55 miles an hour on a country road. And the pickup truck had the back of the truck open and down. And a cinder block flew off the back of the truck, and she swerved off the road, and it didn't hit her. And then she went to where she was going, and on her way home, a rock hit her windshield and cracked her windshield. So her whole windshield is cracked, and it's a brand-new lease car. And her father is so upset with her that she can't even reach out to him because he has the insurance card, and the insurance card is expired, and the website for the insurance company is not working. And it's just like this crisis, crisis, crisis. And the place to fix the windshield is is far away from her house and they make you wait or of course it's going to take over three hours so I was going to drive to Pennsylvania from where I live in New Jersey today to meet her and take her to lunch and go for a walk in the woods if we could find a park or something but she discovered her insurance card is expired and it's that crisis energy that just comes in and it's just, it's like an ancient hijacking. It hijacks me every time. It's like I could be in my peace and my centered place, but we have, and I hate to say it because I've been denying the past, but this daughter was, um, you know, she was a heroin addict for 25 years, and she's, you know, been in jail. She's every horrible thing you can imagine, and... It's just like the crisis is just keep following her. And I can't understand how this thing happened on Monday. It's as if some negativity was, was coming at her. This is my dream. And she, got, she avoided it, but then it got her anyway. <laughs> this poor kid, she has the worst of the worst luck. And she's not a child. She's 40-some years old. So it's not, you know, not a child. The dream, the dream, the external dream, I'm dreaming. Why am I dreaming this dream? And how could I not be um, caught in the crisis energy? How can I stand in that stillness and peace from yesterday and step back and stay there and not feel emotionally, you know, disrupted by the dream? I'm the dreamer of my dream. The dream has to be corrected from my end, you know. So I, the reason I shared that is for the love and the light of the call to flow over her and just heal the situation. Let us all be healed from these alien voices. Let my, let my soul be healed from this alien voice that keeps possessing me. Let my mind be healed. And let the real world show up right now. I don't want to wait, you know, in this holy instant. I don't want to wait. 
I want today and now to be the happiness. You know, the the happiness of the truth that God has promised and that is sure to come. Um, so much of the time I just try to stay back and not get engaged in the insanity when I'm, it seems to be so much around right now, you know. In the middle of the night, the, the Holy Spirit woke me up. I say the masters woke me up. And I had all this fear, and the chorus was the answer. It was just like, okay, the, the fear is whatever, the fear is here. I open to the Holy Spirit, and I extend the Holy Spirit. The real world is the extension of our holiness and our communion, our divine innocence. And it, fear or no fear, that's where I want to be, in the extension of the divine, the divine mind, the divine truth. And even if I can't feel it, then the knowing that the innocence and the holiness and the love and peace and the gentle kindness is the truth. Whatever else is going on may not look right, but that's, you know, my perception may be um, covered with clouds, obscured by the clouds, but not the, but the truth. I don't look through the clouds to see the truth because that's not where it is. The truth is in the Course and the Holy Spirit's teaching. And that's enough, and I'm sorry if I rambled. I'm complete. Oh, not at all. Not at all, Karen. No, not at all, Karen. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. You know, I could have been you saying the same words. I so, I so resonate with your you shared my daughter's 34 and it just seems like all the drama that the world can possibly show her every situation that is conceivable where fear can show up it just seems like it follows her around and I I do the same thing it's like um uh you know sometimes I'll fall into that place where why God why Please give her, show her the real world. And um, and we have many conversations. And God bless her. She she keeps her peace so amazingly. You know, she'll come over here and some other drama has showed up. You know, she lost her job. She's got this infection that none of the doctors seem to be able to heal. And yet, uh, you know, somewhere during the conversation, She'll be witnessing for me about the peace of God and where to find it. And it's so beautiful that that she's found this place within her that no matter what shows up, she you know she will choose peace to uh, sustain her. And um, I'm always I always feel so blessed that um, the crazy world. I mean, the, the, the crazy world, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't exist. I, I uh, maintain peace, you know, pretty much all the time, except for my one trigger, my daughter. <laughs> and, um, and, but she's kind of gotten past that now, and, and she's in this a realm of just acceptance. You know, she, it's almost like, well, that's the way it is. 
and um and I feel so blessed for her. Um, you know, so there is something on the other side of all this drama that the world shows us. You know, there's there is another world. But it's not out there, it's within. I have to we have to find the the real world within ourselves because if we look for it outside of us <laughs> you know it's that seek and do not find scenario so um Karen thank you so much for sharing that i you know it's it's such a blessing to know that we're you know we're all in this together you know our our stories our dreams you know we're all experiencing both uh what the insanity of this world looks like, but then we're also also experiencing the remedy of it through forgiveness that brings us to the real world, which is an inner world of peace. So I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. It's beautifully stated. Thank you, Lana. And mm-hmm. that is surely wisdom. Thank you so Amen. much. If I, if I may respond, Karen, uh, you've touched something very deep inside me, and I appreciate that. Um, I have certain expectations and needs that I have for myself and others that sort of interfere me, interfere my uh, desire to know the truth I share together with the ones whom are in my life. It seems that it's it's almost like I see the insanity all around me, but it's only because of the needs and expectations I've given everything and when I say that Course in Miracles, it says, you know, I do not understand what anything means, nor the purpose of anything that's happening right now. And go into the Holy Spirit and ask, you know, show me the truth of the situation. Show me what is it is that I need to see that I can hold my brothers and sisters in the light within me and shine the love of God that they may go within themselves and find the same truth I find within me. Because nothing I say, nothing I do will convince anybody of what the truth is unless I live it myself first. So I have to realize that all these insanities I see around me are just things I wish were different. And I have a hard time accepting things as they are. And it's just my resistance to truly blessing and loving the moment so that it can move on and change into something more beautiful. So I need that constant reminder, uh, obviously, because seems to be a constant in my life of watching the insanity unfold before me. I'm constantly going inside and asking for 
uh, how can I truly see forgiveness as it truly is? That I can share a blessing with my brothers and sisters and truly invite the healing prayer within me and with them then together. Because I'm not healed alone, neither is my brother healed by their own. And I need my brothers and sisters who are one with me. So I can't ignore them, and I can't ignore their lives either. So thanks, Karen. I appreciate your insight and sharing. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Who haven't we heard from this morning? We think, Lemoyne, I heard some particular conviction in your voice when you read paragraph 72, uh, among others. Anything you care to share? I just love to hear you this morning. I've been that person that uh, gets those weird swings and arrows. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I have the Holy Spirit knocking. <laughs> I once had a big rock. I don't know how big it was. But more than this size or big this size bounced right over my car. I saw it coming and I thought, oh no, I can't swerve. There's cars everywhere. And, uh, yep, bounced right over my car. And, uh, yeah, because it would have shattered the windshield into nothing. And, uh, Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know, you know, the the text will ever really explain it, and there really is some in some sense no um, explanation possible, except that the uh, uh, you know the the knocking occurs in a way that we would recognize within the dream that's created by um, the, you know, the mad idea taking root long, long ago. So, um, the tiny mad idea of separation. 
because even even in some exchange within the world where it seems to be, you know, all one-sided, clearly defining separation, there is still relationship there. And in unity and lesson as a point toward that. And so it's this little gap we don't see that is that is the issue. And uh, yeah, we'll keep cropping up until we correct our perception. I think, and and that's fine. <clears> that <throat> you know, there is a way to look at the world and its extremity and tension. Is that it is a setup that's in a perfect state for learning, and uh, and in fact, that's you know, it's what Course of Love says that what it's here for is teach us that we cannot be separate and alone no matter how hard we try. And uh, the the impossible dreams forgotten but lived into become the creator of impossibility in our world. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was was actually distracted because I felt guided to what there is to try and pick up in uh, perhaps in a gentler way, but also in a committed, giving way that's, uh, that's clearly giving and receiving at one. And and would demonstrate that the all the dream does is interfere with things to seem to create the conditions where it is, you know, called for despair or depression, so or angry reaction, and none of that has to be that there is a call to right action and uh, <laughs> engaging with life in a way that is um, it's just true anyway the one yeah the end of this stuff is of this reading is pretty pithy. That uh, let that mind sink in, maybe. Brother, he gives but life. And none of this is um, what I planned to say or thought to say. There it is. Uncomplete. 
Thank you, Lemoyne. Love that guidance and gentleness. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank you, Lemoyne. Um, Lemoyne, you reminded me. He talks about the, the little gap and what causes the dream, the dream that we think other people are attacking us and that we're suffering because of the external world. And um, I believe it says it's our guilt, that in our own minds we're making up a dream because we feel guilty and our brother is attacking us. So they're delivering our punishment for our guilt. And I just wondered if, Lori, if I got that right or not. (laughs) Is that what it's saying? I mean, you can respond or not if you don't want to, but thank you. I'm complete. Yes, in my my estimation, you have it exactly right. And... um, and that's what the first few paragraphs of this reading are saying. I went back and looked this morning. Um, in, first, let me say, in paragraph 66, uh, if I understand him correctly, this uh, starts to make a lot of sense. And I'll point it out. In paragraph 66, the cause produces effects. And I think I might be on the wrong paragraph. Yes, I'm, I meant 67. Here it is. The part you play in salvaging the world from condemnation is your own escape. And just in brief, that is the healing of my mind offered me by acceptance of the atonement for myself. Forget not that the witness to the world of evil cannot speak except for what has seen a need for evil in the world. And that's that very um, primitive response of the mind that says, I'm in pain and it must be your fault. Whatever the, whatever the cause may be, cause and effect, he wants me to know are one. I'm experiencing myself as a victim of the world. And it's our conventional agreed upon reality from the time from the time a toddler learns to think you know um, the world is presented as a dangerous situation and if I'm not careful I'm going to get hurt and it's going to be someone else's fault that's the nature of our conventional shared reality um, in the dream that we all share when we are egos I'll get hurt and it's your fault. I'm a victim of the world. I'm experiencing the effects of the world's uh, bad nature on me. I was innocent, but the world um, has treated me cruelly and now I'm justified in my anger and my attack. That's, as I say, the nature of the conventional ego reality. We all have it. We all made one ego for ourselves and one for everyone else in the world. And we go about exchanging who's responsible for how awful we feel. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. But in paragraph 67, he says, 
I, I see that need for evil in the world. And this is where your guilt was first beheld. In separation from your brother was the first attack upon yourself begun. And it is this the world bears witness to. Don't go looking for another cause among the many legions of witnesses for its undoing. They support its claim on your allegiance. I've been hurt by you. What conceals the truth is not where you should look to find the truth. The witnesses to sin all stand within one little space, my mind. My mind is cause when I believe that I am victim of the world, that I'm an effect of the world acting evilly upon me. And I have invented this world Lessons 31 and Lesson 32. Want me to see. I've given everything I see, all the meaning that it has for me. And he invites us in those two lessons to look at your own, your own mind and how are these thoughts playing out in your head. And then look, open your eyes and look at the world and see how those thoughts are playing out in your head. And he says in that lesson, the inner is cause of the outer the inner is cause of the outer I cannot see that my mind is split I've denied that and on the basis of that denial of the split in my mind I've become your victim over and over and over again I'm your victim that's a consequence of the split in my mind. The atonement, he says, is the one defense that has only one edge. It can only be used to heal. And when my mind receives that correction, I accept the healing of my mind. It's no longer split. I have no need to be anyone's victim because Holy Spirit has healed my mind through the gift of atonement. Once I'm healed, I've no need to be a victim anymore. I have a profound need to embrace and forgive in order to maintain this beautiful awareness of oneness in my mind. And that's the gift of the atonement right there. It can only be used to heal. The witnesses to sin are all in one tiny little space in my mind. There is no sin. There's a really helpful um, idea in the Course of Love. And he says in that, that Course, every single feeling called comes from love. And I looked and looked and looked for a witness to that in Course of Miracles because if it's true, it must be in the Course of Miracles too. And it is in chapter 12, paragraph 16. And I think this is as clear as can be uh, about the nature of cause and effect in this situation. Paragraph 12, or chapter 12, paragraph 16. This belief in victimhood is a crucifixion by guilt. That's the name of that section. Whoops. And the section that follows it is the fear of redemption. This is a hard, hard thing to um, to see. But I've built, he says, my whole insane belief system because I think I would be helpless in God's presence 
and I would save myself from his love because you think it would crush you to nothingness afraid it would sweep you away from yourself and make you little you can accept insanity because you made it but you cannot accept love because you did not you'd rather be slaves of the crucifixion of the sons of God than sons of God in redemption because your individual death is more valued than your living oneness this is what it means when he says do I want to see what I deny because it is the truth here it is the reason you must look upon your delusions is belief that I've been acted evilly upon and not keep them hidden is that they do not rest on their own foundation in concealment they appear to do so and thus they seem to be self-sustained this is the fundamental illusion on which they rest for beneath them and concealed as long as they are hidden is the loving mind that thought it made them in anger and the pain no, is I'm sorry I, I didn't hear the first sentence of that paragraph and I know it's key the first sentence in that paragraph 16 is the reason you must look upon your delusions this belief that I've been acted evilly upon and not keep them hidden is because they do not rest on their own foundation well we know these terrible things happen in concealment they appear to do so and thus they seem to be self-sustained this is the fundamental illusion in which they rest for beneath them and concealed as long as they are hidden is the loving mind that thought it made them in anger this terrible thing happened to me I'm a victim and I hate you for it this shouldn't have happened the reason it, I believe it shouldn't have happened is because I am love and love is the truth of everything that's our original state but here comes this horrible thing and I think that that's the truth now and I've been acted evilly upon but in truth I'm really pissed off about that I'm really mad about that that shouldn't have happened why because I believe in love but here I got angry and now I think the world hates and I hate and I have to look at this I have to look at that because the pain in this mind is so apparent that when it's uncovered its need for healing cannot be denied not all the tricks and games you offer can heal it and here is the real crucifixion of God's son I need my mind to be healed and the answer is in the next paragraph and yet he is not crucified here is both his pain and his healing for the Holy Spirit's vision is merciful and his remedy is quick do not hide your suffering see I think I'm not entitled to even suffer because I've been so injured don't hide it but bring it gladly to him lay it before his eternal sanity all your hurt lay it all out he knows how bad I'm hurt and let him heal you don't leave any spot of pain hidden from his light and search your minds carefully for thoughts you might fear to uncover because he will heal every little thought that you've kept to hurt you he will he'll keep it he'll heal it 
and you don't need to keep it anymore. He'll cleanse it and restore you to the magnitude of God. That's why the atonement is the perfect healing of my mind, because it acknowledges my pain, it acknowledges my belief in love, it acknowledges my belief that love should never be hurt, and it says, what you thought, what you thought all this meant was just so I could heal you. How do I know that's true? Because in the course, in the course, in the manual for teachers, he says it like this. The extent of the teacher, whoops, those who are certain of the outcome, we're talking about a, say, a happy outcome. Those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. Patience is natural to the teacher of God. All he sees is a certain outcome. At a time perhaps unknown as yet, but not in doubt, the time will be as right as the answer, this healing. And this is true for everything that happens now or in the future. Here's the thing. The past as well held no mistakes. Nothing that did not serve to benefit the world as well as him to whom it seemed to happen. Holy Spirit heals this all this so completely and so thoroughly that every single thing that seemed to happen is brought into alignment with, oh my God, I see this is where the light came in. The past, it was all perfect. Perhaps it was not understood at the time. Even so, the teacher of God is willing to reconsider all his past decisions if they're causing pain to anyone. But patience is natural to those who trust. Sure of the ultimate interpretation, this correction of all my mistaken thinking was my interpretation. Sure of the ultimate interpretation of all things in time. No outcome already seen or yet to come can cause them fear because perfect love casts out all fear. My father knows my creation was in love, as love, for love. And he wants me to know that too, regardless of anything that seemed to happen. And so the Holy Spirit teaches me forgiveness, 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 because all this is in my mind. And when I can let it go, I'm healed. That's my interpretation of all of that. And... Um, and that's where I stand in surety today. So thank you for asking. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just love it when you go back over everything, especially toward the end of the, well, if I can stay till the end, you know, because it's like bringing it right back to the mind. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, thank you, Laurie. That was just so perfect. And so helpful. Thank you, everyone. I just love the way um, this call is so beautiful. I always think of the blind man and the elephant. You know, we each take a piece, and together we describe how this one mind of healing uh, can bring us to truth. And um, and were it not for this guide, uh, Holy Spirit, in our minds. Um, 
the, the completion of this circuit of love would be so difficult. But together, um, together it comes real. And I'm very, very grateful. So anyway, uh, I think maybe we ought to end the recording. Lori, <laughs> Lori. This is yes, sir. Yes, I, my dear. I just want to yes. say one thing. Thanks for that. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to even come close to muddying up what she shared, because I think the discussion of the dream best includes a solution. Um, and its solution, I would say. Uh, uh, but uh, I did want to thank you. Thank you, Karen. That's an, that was an excellent question. What does this dream rest on? How can it be pulled apart or always recognized with the signifier that's always there? And uh, I had thought to find it pretty quickly, did the search, and there's there's all different forms he expresses it in. Um, mm-hmm. A dream of crucifixion, a dream of isolation. There's a just an amazing description of it in where it says dream of, dream of it. And you have to read the sentences before to see what he's talking about in the test of truth. But it just points out where we're going because around, um, and that is, that is an excellent resolution and description together in the test of truth, paragraph 59 or so. But uh, where the search all of a sudden, as I scrolled down through the 68 references to dream of, um, they all went to dream of judgment. And judgment and guilt go hand in hand. So the appearance of guilt is, is a signifier of the dream. And uh, that's a dream of separation that we use to imprison God's son, which is ourselves and and others, trying to do it for others. But really, we just we just do it to ourselves harder, I think, in trying to do it to others. Anyway, <laughs> I'm complete there. Thank you, Lori, for letting me step in. Lori, I just want to say, I just wanted to say that I can't think of a more perfect way to start my day than this call. You know, it just sets up the whole day. So thank you, everyone, um, for sharing in everything that we in everything that we do here. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Lana. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're thank all you, so needed. Thank you, Lemoyne, for circling back. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. So it's true. We are so blessed to have this community and to start every single day with our minds. That's the gift we give each other. And, um, and so to end the recording, here's where I want to rest. Um, let's see here. Time and eternity. Appeal everything you believe gladly to God's own higher court because it speaks for him and therefore speaks truly. It will dismiss the case against you, however carefully you have built it. The case may be foolproof, but it's not God-proof. The voice for God will not hear it at all. 
because he can only witness truly his verdict will always be thine is the kingdom because he was given you to remind you of what you are your patience with each other is your patience with yourselves is not a child of God worth patience there's one unmuted line his voice was in me as it is in you speaking for patience toward the sonship in the name of its creator what you need to learn now is that only infinite patience infinite patience faithfulness can produce immediate effects this is the way in which time is exchanged for eternity here's how it works infinite patience calls upon infinite love and by producing results now it renders time unnecessary infinite patience calls upon infinite love is that like the most perfect definition of prayer that we pray that everything's that's been offered will be received um when I put my mind into infinite patience I immediately rest why because judgment falls off my back and I was never responsible for outcomes I'm responsible for calling upon infinite love and I'll always get an answer there so anyway that's our gift to each other every morning I'm so grateful thank you everyone we'll end the recording um, but not call so <laughs>